Hello everyone um, and welcome to another episode of the Open Africa podcast. Uh, my name is Furo and with me I have the usual guys. Oh, no sir. And <laughs> Laulu, who is not a usual guy. Really? Um, and as a disclaimer, we're recording remotely today. Um, so if there's any awkwardness, please bear with us. Um, and then we have some guests with us on this episode today. Um, I will let them introduce themselves. So Jude, would you like to go ahead? Hi everyone. Uh, my name is Jude. I'm co-founder and CEO of Get Equity. Fantastic. And Timmy Tokwe? Hi, my name is Timmy Tokwe. I'm co-founder and head of growth at Get Equity. Great. Awesome. So it's good to have you guys on the podcast. Um, before we jump right into you know, all the juicy bits about you know what you guys are doing at Get Equity, we'll just highlight some interesting news that has occurred in the last you know few days. And I feel like these guys just start paying us for all the times we mentioned their name. But uh, Kuda Bank um, recently raised $55 million. Um, I think they've now, they're now valued at $500 a million dollars I guess the race to unicorn is firmly you know happening um any comments from anyone on the call I'm just going to unicorn say unicorn unicorn yeah yeah <laughs> I'm just going to send partnership um documents to Kuda Bank to come and finance us considering the amount present. of their time I'm present here yeah, so just I'll accept it as that. Your presence doesn't translate into Naira and Kobo. We have Mike to buy and his cost. Once I pay my share of the account of the of the mic. For All right. Yes. Let's not talk about Kuda Bank again. <laughs> anyway, congrats to us. Yeah. So yeah. We're trying to expand to other terrain, and that's what the money is for. So okay. Yeah. So I guess we'll see. I guess what happens um, as things evolve. Yeah, um, license is not cheap. <laughs> yeah, regulators are interesting to deal with. Anyways, um, Yoko, a South African payment startup, raised eighty-three million dollars Series C funding. Um, major investor was the Dragoneer team. Um, so when you say payments, um, payments like Paystack or payments like regular? It's payments like Paystack, but just imagine yeah. if like Paystack started with POS first. Right, so offline payments. Yeah, so they did offline first and they went to online. I mean, they do online, but offline still the major thing. So they have this mobile OS devices, they're like two of them. It's like a really big deal in South Africa. But so with South Africa like With like what? Like money points or paga. Mm, those guys are more it, they're not like it's not an agency play. It's an actual POS device. Like so for like accepting payment as well. Right, right. Yes, like right, buying right, from right. supermarket type thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So there's like so what's it called? For when we went to SA, I can't remember a couple of years ago. 
can't remember that one went for that street food thing. Yeah. Like almost all the merchants had those like small POS terminal things. Those are like Yoko terminals. They're like blue. But they're very, very interesting. They're fun. But one thing like South African startups, I don't even think like they're interested in coming anywhere else in Africa. They're just happy where they are. I mean, it's good if you have like, you have a big market, which South Africa does, but it would be nice if you could get something like that here. Jude, you wanted to make a comment? No, I was saying, yeah, it's also something I've noticed and maybe something I'll talk about in terms of um, like how we see that with South African companies are just, they're very, very comfortable staying around South Africa and not coming out of there. And I don't know if it's more of a regulatory thing on their end or if it's just the companies themselves. Might be a cultural disposition. Um, but we're not going to unpack the, the sociology of South Africa here. But it's beyond even their companies, even for regular folks, um, they don't emigrate at the rate of, is, say, Nigeria or India or China, for example. Um, so, but that's, that's, a, that's a sidebar. But if you look at it, well, if you have lights, what is the reason for leaving? You have lights. Exactly. The economy is crappy too. Very crappy. Look, is this thing's perspective? Can you compare it to Nigeria? Anyway, I don't want to get arrested. That's besides the point. But uh, I think we had a conversation with Yoko about like if they wanted to come to Nigeria. Like when I say we, I mean like Kuda. Like, and they were mainly, it was more Nigeria's Wala is too much, kind of. And if you are going to do the Wala for us, fine. But we're not going to take that Wala by ourselves. So that's how the conversation more or less went. Yeah, I mean, they'll be they'll be fine. <laughs> I think South Africa, is, as a market, can keep them busy enough. Again, I think uh, with a lot of startups, it's down to the vision of the founders. You know how far they want to push it, um, in terms of the numbers they want to do and the type of growth they want to see. Um, yeah, and then on a somewhat controversial topic. Uh, the e-Naira. Um, so CBN has been uh, pushing for the e-Naira. They have given themselves a deadline, I believe, of Independence Day or something like that to go live um, with the e-Naira. Uh, yeah, I think that it is ambitious um, because if they're going to go live, it means that quite a number of ecosystem players need to get onboarded. There needs to be a pilot done. Like there, there are lots of steps that need to be taken before go live. Um, and maybe I'm looking at go live from a different perspective. But yeah, any comments? Yeah, just to clarify, because I think um, that has come out now. Um, that October one date is the pilot date um, that they say they want to start the pilot. Um, I mean, it still it still feels rushed. Um, there are many things to consider when when you are launching a, a CBDC, a central bank digital currency. <clears throat> Excuse me. And there there are a couple of 
you know risks to launching this as well um that i'm not i'm not sure if they have the right controls for but one thing is clear is that the cbn thinks that this is the next big thing launching a digital currency um they've pegged it at one-to-one to the naira um kind of like how a stable coin works but the difference is that this one is not on a decentralized ledger they are in full control <laughs> they are in full control of everything and they can shut anyone down but what i found in the last couple of days of just thinking about it and looking at um sort of the vision that they've laid i i feel like i've moved on from pessimism to casual optimism casual because again this is nigeria so anything you see you take it like that but the use cases especially for payments it makes a lot of sense um the people who should probably be sweating at this point are the switches because if inaira takes off the way um, some people think that it will and transactions happen on that blockchain then there's really no use you know for for switches anymore in like a typical payment flow but again this is all until the cbn comes out with a clear policy paper um that 15 page document that they shared is not enough i think for us to make like full definitive statements about what they want to do with their digital currency they've just said they want to do um payments retail wholesale offline payments so lalo how is it supposed to work so they're building using this um hyperledger fabric tech so um it's open source blockchain that you can use um you can use to develop open source blockchain tech that you can use to develop your own blockchain the cbn is going to own and run that blockchain and we're hearing that banks are going to connect via apis um so the e-naira is going to be minted by the central bank and they've pegged it one to one to the naira um the question about what the difference is between this e-naira and your regular electronic fund transfer or your bank account now um i really can't say <laughs> what the difference is but what i do know is that if they use it for like wallet payments right so think of your bank having a gateway onto that blockchain so um maybe you download an app for example let's say it's a standalone app from gtb access stambic whoever and you go through the whole kyc process right you are then able to you know buy or trade naira for e naira right if you then want to send money to somebody in another bank instead of the usual nip payments where your bank's api will call will debit your own account then call nibs then nibs will call the other bank then the other bank will credit because of the transaction is happening on the blockchain it's essentially going to be like a peer-to-peer -peer money movement on that same blockchain right um so the assumption is that that will give us faster payments more stable payments um and cheaper payments as well especially if you are looking to move like large sums of money um a, a couple of episodes ago we spoke about real-time gross settlement so say you want to move um two billion naira or three billion naira um it will make it faster more stable and much cheaper to move all that money so yeah that's how they are looking to play it they will run the blockchain banks will connect via apis 
and I can see banks like layering different products on top of that blockchain. Since ultimately everything is money movement, um, it's it's interesting to be honest. Um, what I'm not certain of is this pace that they are going at. So this is just basically mobile money, e money. You see money on a blockchain. So funny enough, the way I see this is, I mean, I'm not necessarily looking at it as e-Naira, but, but more of like e-currency in the grand scheme of things. And I know that banks in the US recently have been allowed to like settle um, payments on the blockchain with ethereum so in a broader scheme of things i'm looking at this more on a cross-border type of system now it could mean it depends on how the cbn wants to run this in the case of are they allowing um are they allowing other people aside banks to connect to it because at the end of the day what this means is that they're pretty much creating a for lack of a better word, decentralized NIBs, right? And so now does that mean that others can now plug in or is that, or is it going to be only banks? If it's going to be only banks, then it's pretty much the same thing that they've been doing all the time or that they've been doing since. But if it's now that anyone can plug in, which is the entire point of having, you know, a decentralized switch, then that kind of makes sense. What that means is that liquidity, access to liquidity in the form of Naira or whatever would be very easy. CBN can create um, decentralized floats on its USD and then again with the e-Naira. So where you can do an easy split between, okay, if you're bringing money into the country, you want to exchange it for Naira, it's pretty much happens in give or take 10 seconds. If you want to get Naira to move out to somewhere. And so I don't want to go all complex blockchain, but with Hyperledger, you could even have a bridge to Ethereum where you can say, um, if I'm moving USD from this Hyperledger, it can be moved from a virtualized USD into Ethereum in USDC. And I can use that USDC to send to, let's say, a country in the US. So bridging is something that happens cross blockchains um, these days. But again, it will be very interesting how they hope to play this out. I hope that they have very um, knowledgeable people working on this. Yeah, so Hi. for free, I mean, it's not it's not decentralized. <laughs> the I don't think the Central Bank of Nigeria under this current jurisdiction will ever let anything that they are involved with be decentralized. Um, I mean, look at their attitude to to cryptocurrency, and one of the reasons why they actually um, came down so hard on on crypto to the point of getting banks to start closing accounts. Um, was because at some point they started to face capital flights where money isn't sitting in banks again. Money is like, money is just moving into 
um, a currency that they have no control over, you know. Um, and that's the sort of thing that the regulator doesn't like to do. Um, because it was a question that I was trying to ask as well. Um, during the course of this week, I was talking to some guy who had some insider knowledge. And the question was, are you going to let us use this, you know, um, to get into other, you know, um, currencies, other cryptocurrencies? So I want to do Inaira into BTC, for example. And a guy seemed optimistic, but he was absolutely certain that this first phase, we're not going to see anything like that, which then begs the question of, you know, what you talked about with cross-border, how do they then want to achieve that, um, given this third currency requirement that, um, that exists today? So you want to move from Naira to, say, Yuan, and then you first buy USD, you know? If you're not letting people move like that, how do you want to do cross-border easily? Okay. Yeah. All right. Now, okay. look. Uh, so, I'm approaching um, this conversation from very, very pessimistic point of view, and because, I mean, when you look at it from a global perspective, the central banks across different regions, especially within Europe and others, have been on CBDC planning for over two, two and a half years. And recently, of course, China launched theirs and the low adoption forced them to start cracking up on crypto operations and mining. So it's obvious that the entire plan by world governments is to create, for a better word, um, a mask of CFI built upon a layer of DeFi. But they're basically creating the same thing as, an off as a piecemeal offering to people to say, use this product or nothing. And I don't think that works because it's going to always be this clash of, of we wanting to do our own thing against people who want to tell you this is what you must do. And not that they even have the best at heart um, thinking along logics, but you've seen them make very useless policies that frankly, uh, as a business person, you are worried. So they creating an e-currency is fine, right? But then we understand the, the thinking, the, the nuances behind that currency creation. And it's not for, it's actually not for to, to do, change anything. It's just basically creating a mask. And I feel that will not go well um, in terms of the vision of what we need. And so even as you are thinking right now, if you're not creating anything, um, decentralized and you're just getting banks and everyone it's still the same game i mean just the different face in my opinion thanks Tokwe. um <laughs> i mean Wait, just one more thing now look who's issuing the e-money are they alive banks issue the e-money or is it going straight to cbn issuing it themselves this thing is is all cbn is 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 monetary policy they're the ones maintaining they're the ones controlling it's all them so they're the ones maintaining so i said effectively it is possible for someone to do without a bank or do you need a bank to access the e-money in the first place the architecture that they shared prioritizes banks um I'm not, I don't know if that is going to change in the future um, because there is the argument about mobile money operators. 
um, being at the forefront of this. So if you were to ask me, and this is just my own personal thoughts, this is nothing official. I think that they will let banks and MMOs connect directly to that um, blockchain where they can um, acquire the e, the e-Naira. So in summary, they're just taking NIBS and putting a new name on it. <laughs> Maybe not NIBS, but yeah, the idea is the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, just on the blockchain. Everything we have today, just on the blockchain with some yeah. specified players. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I think we've, we've spent enough time discussing that. Um, we'll keep look out for, you know, things as they progress. Um, so now to the Get Equity team. Um, so I guess our first question would be just, you know, tell us a bit about Get Equity, what you guys are building, um, and I guess why um, you're building. Um, who would like to take that? Um, Papa, do you want to go or should I? Uh, Jude, you can go ahead, please. Okay. Um, so I'd say Get Equity, basically, we are creating an ecosystem around venture capital. So, but that, but let me move into like what we are currently doing right now. I would say what we have as a right now is what I call the Robin Hood for angel investing. We allow for retail investors to invest in startups via tokenized securities. And what that means is that um, with startup equity, like for example, Kuda Bank, right? We're able to create a tokenized version of that equity. And I know um, for core finance people, um, that process is called securitization. So what we're doing is that we're saying, for example, we can digitize um, a certain percentage or a certain number of Buddha Bank shares. And through our app, we can allow anyone to invest in Kuda Bank or own Kuda Bank shares with as little as $10. So um, think of people who currently use Bamboo to buy like Apple shares or Netflix shares, etc. You can now do the same thing in private companies that have not IPO'd. Cool. So, I mean, what was the inspiration? Like why, you know, there, there's a lot of opportunities in the market. Why, look, why, why are you guys looking at this problem in particular? And why do you think that the timing is right now? Okay. Um, so I would say this has been um, an evolution. Um, I, I remember I first started out with, um, in the grand scheme of things. Now, I come from a um, software engineering slash blockchain slash DeFi ecosystem. And one of the first things, I think the first piece of code I started writing on Get Equity was somewhere around 2019. And that more in itself was, I was trying to build a decentralized exchange or I built a decentralized exchange. And the entire point of that decentralized exchange was that I wanted people to be able to create um, to create blockchain, um, should I call them blockchain tokens, and have the ability to trade these tokens. So in the first iteration of 
what became get equity it was a decentralized exchange and i built that as a side project um granted i had already built something i built that as a side project then after a while i also worked with um in nigerian bank for a project that will probably never see the light of day and what they wanted to do was the ability to have um something similar an exchange where their staff could um have their should i call it equity now but then instead of having this on the nigerian stock exchange or something they would have like an internal place where staff were able to have their equity tokenized and traded amongst each other now I built that in the bank. It would never, it probably never see the light of day. But moving on, that kind of gave me an instance into how other companies might want to have something like this. So the next iteration of Get Equity came on around instead of having blockchain tokens, people being able to just tokenize actual companies. And you know while this iteration was going about i met with you know a couple of people um i also met with timmy topper as well and then we started having more like conversations with people who were in the blockchain ecosystem and moving out from that people who were in core finance and then we started having vc conversations and one of the things we noticed or one of the things we found out from vc conversations was that they were very much interested in this as a um as an alternative to venture capital i mean it's one of the biggest pain points all of us i mean we've all been at some point in time founders or pseudo founders and one of the biggest pain points that we've had in ourselves is raising funds right so in between this iteration i wanted this to be a way where i could get my friends to invest in my company um which was pretty much this interesting decentralized exchange that i had so speaking with a couple of people in vc and that started to morph into focusing more around venture capital and how having a secondaries markets could come into play for people who wanted to crowdfund people who wanted to raise money and fast forward into you know um 2021 fast forward into let's say december of 2020 we started having conversations with um company called greenhouse capital um their the parent their parent company vgg venture garden group also wanted to have something like this i mean it it, it kind of was like a match made in heaven or however people say that because they were looking for a solution kind of like this um i mean multi multi-tiered solution kind of like this and I got an intro into um Bumi who is their um general partner and Bumi took out his personal time you know to have conversations with us and moving on from there into what their vision of get equity looks like 
into also what our vision of debt equity looks like. And it's it became something that we, we found a bridge. And from 2021, we started iterating down into, um, I think somewhere like March, they found they saw us as a business worth investing in and as at march 2021 we got our first um pre-seed investment from greenhouse capital and not just a pre-seed investment but it became more of a partnership or more of a mentee a mental mentee type of situation where greenhouse wanted to put in their all into making sure that we become probably maybe a $500 million company like Kuda Bank sometime later in life. So yeah, um, from there, we've iterated quite a bit. We've come up with the Get Equity app and Get Equity solutions. And yeah, we are where we are right now. Right, that's awesome. I mean, that's a very interesting journey. Uh, it's always fascinating to hear the backstory because you sort of start on solving one problem and yeah, never really end at that point um so i'll just say nosa do you want to make a comment i see your mic is on yeah i was i was going to ask so like how many how many startups on the platform now like if we go and i wanted to invest in somebody like okay right now we have five um i think i can mention them here there's unguvu health which is pretty much doing a madness in mental health um, both in West and East Africa. They recently opened up in Kenya and- Unintended. Had... Sorry, I just had to put that in there. <laughs> but carry on. <laughs> um, then there's also Fluid Coins. I mean, Fluid Coins is, they're a FinTech company that's trying to redefine. Let, let me, I mean, I don't like to make comparisons, but I would say they're pretty much gunning up to be a pay stack for crypto transactions. So everything from around integrating pay with crypto to processing your crypto transactions to ideally um, helping you generate accounts, everything that has to do with processing crypto payments, um, that's food points. Then we also have WeMove. WeMove is a logistics platform. Um, trucks, tourism, all of that. And then from WeMove, we have UseBreeze. UseBreeze, well, Breeze, basically. They are a borderless finance, um, borderless finance platform. And they allow for you to send money to different countries. I think as of right now, they are um, they currently allow for I think five to ten from five to ten countries, um, and then the fourth, is, the fifth, sorry, is Onboardly. Onboardly is an onboarding platform. They want to be the rippling of Africa. So, and all these companies are pretty much in the in an early stage. Um, for lack of a better word, these are companies that I that we feel would have quite a high growth trajectory and in the next couple of years will be even much larger. Okay. So I mean there's also 
few companies in the pipeline, but for now, these are the five that we currently have. So if a startup wanted to list, what's like the process? Yeah, I was about to ask, okay, so, like, what's due diligence like? Okay, so um, right now we currently have a, we currently have a, an end-to-end -end process of um, we do a KYC, which is pretty much making sure that your registered entity, your, um, what's that word? Your registered entity um, with a bank account, all of that. Then um, we take certain details from you, which is a pitch deck. Um, we take a few text details that we use to generate an investment memo. Um, things like problem, solution, traction, um, team, all of that. Then we have an, we have what we call an investment committee. Our investment committee is made up of people both in private equity and investment analysts in um, currently existing VC firms. So now what they do is they have a, um, with the details that we've collected, which is, and again, many of these companies are quite early. So what their data room isn't something that I would say, you know, contains quite a lot. So it's more or less a pitch deck, knowing about doing the due diligence about the team, the problem solution, um, the addressable market, the geography that they're in. And our IC is made up of right now five individuals, which basically allows for, we need to have a quorum on that company saying that, okay, if three out of, if three, no, we have six individuals. So if four out of six agree that this company is worth listing, then we're good to list them on the platform and yeah i mentioned quite a few um i mentioned quite a few things there's also um the company's market potential so i mean it's one thing where you say yes you're a company that or it's one thing where it's a company that um has pretty much a high growth trajectory but then it's another thing for that company to be a company that people want to invest in so i think all these criteria make up what we look as our investment module sorry to come in here so um just to add to what you said we have about nine blocks which we take a view from uh, from the ic team um it's basically focused on the market the geography you're focusing on we also work on your um theme cohesion and dynamics we also work as long um, on your potential revenue or your revenue, the traction itself as a business um, domain experience, which is very key. Um, and especially if how strong is your community um, and your people, are they using the products? Do you like it? Do you have a bit of nascent product market fit? Nascent because, um, of course, until you launch before, you know how how um, properly you're fit with. We look at the problem you're trying to solve. Is there a core need or is that a flash in the pan? We look at the kind of solution. We look at um, quite a lot of different dynamics, our own internal research around your business. And then we then go to the negotiation table, which is negotiating on what you're looking to raise, the company valuation, um, what and how easily you can be able to sell that token 
um, to the public or to your community and we look at the play if it's a right fit for us or not so there's a lot of nuanced conversation and that's why we've kind of created nine different blocks with different scoring formulas and we um, passed like all companies who indicate um, wanting to crowdfund from us can uh, we look at each of those businesses and then select the very best so we're not really focused on just allowing everybody at the moment yes but selecting the very best because we need to build a two-way market uh, trust between the investors and also between the founders and startups um, in the pipeline so yes that is basically um, some of the underground processes we do yeah I have a question sure go ahead um, so so far um, and I know that like these are early days but what has been the biggest challenge for you guys so far um, all things considered from users to the markets um, what has been the biggest challenge biggest challenge definitely regulation oh my god um, so there's there's quite a lot of regulatory loopholes on something like this like let me give an example so for example one i cannot like what i said about crowdfunding um according to sec regulation i cannot call it crowdfunding because what we are doing is a private placement and private placement towards um our spv so in the kind of structure we attain Secondly, I cannot refer to get equity as an exchange because that comes with its own regulation. Now, regulations differ according to ecosystems. So Nigerian regulation, which we are subject to, is a bit similar, but still differs from the US regulation. And that in itself also differs from South Africa, um, which we hope to expand to and then Egypt, and then East Africa. So, you know, there's also like the Middle East, there's also Latin America. So it's like each, whichever way um, that you're going towards, you first have to understand their regulations on um, something like this. And another thing is majorly because um, something like this hasn't existed before, we're kind of writing our templates as we go. There isn't really anything to um, fall back on or there isn't anything to majorly check out. But as part of like our um, solutions to that, one of the first things that we've done is to partner with a, an SEC licensed entity. It's kind of like act as a big brother. Um, they have majority of the SEC license, they're regulated in that instance. They have the SEC network and a major part of what they are or what they have been looking for is kind of like a technology um, partner. So it's it, it, it just fuses better because now they have had standing in, they've had standing in doing, you know, things like private placements, brokerage, um, issuing, uh, even private shares in issuing, private placements issuing. So I'd say 
the next couple of months are going to be very interesting. Um, and it's pretty much how we also plan to solve this in sense of partnering with already existing um, entities that already existing entities in these ecosystems. Fascinating. Because I was going to ask at one point, that hasn't SEC written you guys a letter yet to say, bros, what are you doing? But this this gives a lot of context. Um, yeah, I can imagine the regulation being, you know, very heavy because um, that space in Nigeria is very regulated, like you said. So, yeah. Yeah, but, but Laulu, um, we actually expected this and so we coming into the space it's like we already knew what's going to happen but we don't one thing to talk about is that at what point of regulation is um the platform under because basically we're we're just simply providing ways for people to invest right in in startups and it's not really under the sec's purview actually right it's more like we go into them saying this is what we're trying to do we just need your nod and um, because we're more like a regular syndicate i mean vcs investing companies they're not really under the purviews of the sec but we just know that as we open more to retail investors we definitely need their their go ahead nods and get back in which is why we're definitely going to talk to them um from the get-go um such that we, we cross our I's and dot our T's before we, we really go aggressive in the market. So yes, um, that's one thing we definitely look at. But then in other markets, we some of them already have, who are maybe more advanced or who have inclinations of what exists, have kind of standing out policies on this, um, on, the, on the kind of businesses you run, even though we still are different on them. But of course we can, easily know what to do and also do our compliance and legal side of things such that we're we're not breaking the law basically yeah i hear you Tokwe. um i hear you and i understand where you're coming from um the one thing i can say though is that when you are dealing with regulators you are whatever they say you are but if they say that you are a crowdfunding platform that's what they'll you know um look to work with you as um but the one thing that i think you guys should take comfort in is that in nigeria sec seems to be very forward um and very reasonable like very forward and open to tech and very mm -hmm. reasonable um if you recall yeah. last year um they were the ones who were saying that they would recognize crypto as a digital commodity, which was very progressive. Um, so that's what, and then now with the digital subbroker license, um, that's something that you know. It just shows that like they are ready if you, they are ready to have conversations with people. Yeah, they are, and it's it's already something that I mean from the get go we started having conversations with them. Um, we've had back and forth conversations with the SEC for quite a while now, right? And would a major thing that we have noticed in ourselves is that they pretty much are like ready to help out with FinTech. Um, I mean, there's been times when we've had conversations with um, some representatives from the SEC and 
they in themselves are going, look, yes, this is an official conversation and whatnot, but here's something that we feel, okay, you guys might want to do. Here's another thing that you guys might want to do instead. And that way, this will help you do X, Y, Z. Like, it's not just a, it's not just a, um, for lack of a better word, a Nigerian student versus lecturer type of thing. Now it's like, it's kind of like, they really want you to succeed. That's, that's very good to hear, honestly. All right. Um, so I'll say any parting comments from the Get Equity team? Um, anything you want to share? Um, um, <laughs> I'll say <laughs> a major thing is one to please download the Get Equity application, check around for the companies that we have there's there's going to be a few more in the coming weeks um check around for those that we have currently and see which ones tickle your fancy i personally think that um quite a lot of these companies are very important companies to the ecosystem and yeah on the ecosystem basically right um on my part, it's more about um, open to partnerships, open to conversations with anyone listening here. Um, of course, open to if you have concerns, we are definitely reachable support at getequity.io. Um, we definitely answer immediately um, and we have one-on-one -on -one calls. So if you're a VC or an angel, we actually did mention we do have a product for VCs, angels, syndicates, both structured and unstructured syndicates. Uh, we can have one-on-one -on -one conversation on how we can meet your uh, requirements. Um, and then, of course, we are looking for you to download and use the app and fund amazing startup building the future today. Thank you. All right. Um, thanks, Timitokwe and Jude. It was great having you on the podcast. Um, on our end, I mean, you can catch us on our usual handles on uh, Twitter, Instagram, at Open Africa Pod. And on, yeah, check our website out um, for additional insights on episodes that we record. Um, Nosala, Olu, anything from you? Nosala, should No, nothing from money. Nothing from me. <laughs> I will still say that Nosa should give us money. No, no, I'll be in touch. I'm begging at this point. We have to I'll be in touch. List on Get Equity. I'll be in touch. All right. No problem. Yes, please. List on Get Equity. <laughs> List Open Africa on Get Equity so people can come and invest in us. If we can pass due diligence. <laughs> Money, money can miss, sir. I can't promise you. <laughs> no, sir. Um, I mean, you can list yourself anyway. No, sir. Is, exactly. is what is is what is what investing in at this point. Yeah, you start up on your own, so you know. Think about it. I'll consider. I'll consider. <laughs> All right. Um, thanks for listening. And thanks again to the Get Equity guys. And until the next episode, um, yeah, goodbye.